This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's take our Bibles. Go back with me, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Samuel. And for our purpose this morning, uh, we're going, we're taking a detour from the life of David and actually going back in time uh, beyond his life to the early days of Samuel. The, the passage that I read to you uh, concerning his birth, and uh, we come to chapter number one and verse number 24, 1 Samuel chapter number one and verse number 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, for as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, a child dedicated to the Lord. A child dedicated to the Lord. What does it mean to dedicate our children to the Lord? We find in this passage a wonderful example of that. We'll examine that in just a moment. I want us to pray together. And as I'm praying, would you pray? Ask God to empower me and enable me to communicate his truth and ask God to help you to receive it. And then say to the Lord, Lord, what you say, I'll obey. What you say, I'll obey. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for this opportunity and privilege to come together in your house. We thank you for the blessings that we have enjoyed this day, these beautiful children and their families. I pray, God, now as we come to your word that you would speak to us, help us to understand the responsibility that has been given to us as parents, as grandparents, aunts and uncles, as church members, as members of the family of God, to know that we all have a role and we all have responsibilities to play. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The days surrounding Samuel's birth are characterized by days of darkness and distress. Samuel was born in the period of the judges. In fact, he is the last of the judges. If you remember, in the book of Judges, during this time period, the children of Israel were living in a never-ending cycle. This was the cycle, sin. That was step one. They turned away from the truth of God into idolatry. When they did so, immorality always accompanies idolatry. And so they went into a downward cycle of sin. Then judgment 
followed. God judged and brought judgment upon his people because of their sin. Throughout the book of Judges, we find that another nation, an adversary, would come against them and bring them into bondage and bring judgment upon them. In the midst of their judgment, we see the third step in this cycle, repentance. The children of Israel, recognizing that they had sinned and recognizing that they were under the judgment of God, would repent of their sin and cry out for God's mercy and then enjoy, finally, the fourth cycle or the fourth step in this cycle, that is deliverance. God would send a deliverer who would deliver his people and who would lead them to him. The Bible characterizes those days with this verse in Judges 17 and verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, God had been rejected as king. There was no objective truth. And when you remove objective truth from a nation, from a people, from a society, then people are open to subjective truth. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That is the world in which we're living today. They were in this endless cycle. As we come to the life of Samuel, we find that he was born in the midst of this cycle. There was great sin in the nation. 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verses 12 through 25 details for us just how far the nation had declined. The sons of Eli, who was the priest, those boys who were the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel, had fallen into all kinds of immorality and wickedness. They were committing adultery with the women who came to the tabernacle. They were stealing the Lord's sacrifice from the people of God. They were enriching themselves at the expense of the Lord and at the expense of God's people. As a result, the, the men of Israel abhorred the offerings of the Lord and the nation fell into decline. We see not only their sin, but in chapter 3, we get a glimpse of their shame. The Bible tells us that the lamp of God went out into the, in the tabernacle. The lamp of God signifying the presence of God. That lamp was to be tended to by the priests day and night, but they, in their selfishness and their sin, neglected the house of God and the lamp of God went out, thus signifying that God, who was no longer being honored, no longer being worshipped by his people, had left the scene. In chapter 4, the Israelites take the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle against the Philistines, thinking that if the symbol of the Ark of the Covenant uh, would ensure that God would be with them in spite of their sin. They went against their enemies and were defeated, and the Philistines carried away the ark. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed in the battle. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, when, when, when receiving the news of his son's death and the capture of the ark of the Lord by the Philistines, the Bible said that Eli fell backward and broke his neck and he died. While all of this was taking place, the wife of Phinehas was great with child and was delivering a son. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse number 19, or verse 21 rather, 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 21, and she named the child Ichabod saying, the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. This young woman giving birth to a child and her life would come to end in the process of giving birth to this boy. 
was well aware of what was happening in her nation. She said, the glory has departed. We're living in a day in America when the glory has departed. We're living in dark days, dark days of sin and of shame. And just as it was in those days, so it is today. The need for families who know God to bring children into this world and to bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I want to say thank you to this church because of your commitment to training children in the truth of God's word. I want to say thank you to these families who are here today and others who could not be here today but who would normally be here for being faithful in the house of God. And I want to encourage you like never before, let's resolve to be faithful to God and to bring up these children. The Bible said if we'll train up a child in the way he will go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. May God help us to train those children up. You say, well, they, they may drift away, and yes, they may, but there's some truth in their heart that it will always help them recognize that what they heard when they were young is what they need. And some of you have children who are older and, and you've lived through some disappointments. Let me just encourage you today that God is not finished with them. He's at work. And so we trust him. I want us to note three things this morning as we look at this passage. First of all, I want you to see a woman's desire. A woman's desire. We find it in verse number 9. So Hannah rose up after, <clears throat> excuse me, after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul. This is Hannah. And she prayed unto the Lord, and she wept sore, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. She was praying silently. Therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. He sees this woman, she's weeping, she's crying, she's under great sorrow and anguish, and her mouth is moving it seems to him as if she's muttering. And he says, are you drunk? How long wilt thou be drunken? Verse 14, put away thy wine from thee. Verse 15, and Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaining grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to the house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. 
Here we have a glimpse into the heart of this woman, Hannah, and her desire that God would give her a son. It was the desire of her heart to have a child. Now, if we had taken the time to read verses 1 through 8, we would understand that Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah had two wives. Let me just stop and say there that this was not God's plan. It was never God's plan for a man to have more than one wife. The Bible says that two shall become one. The husband, the man, the wife will leave father and mother, and they shall cleave unto one another, and they shall become one flesh. This is the plan of God. We understand that these two are living during the dark, distressing days of the judges. Objective truth has been removed, and subjective truth has replaced it. And so we find that this is not a perfect situation. This is not a perfect family by any means. These are people who have, who have gone outside the will of God. Now, we do not know all the circumstances that led to that. We do not know how Hannah found herself in this situation. All we know is that she is in it. By the way, there are people today who find themselves in difficult situations. Let me just say this to you. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And aren't you glad that we have a God who, in spite of our, our struggles, in spite of the difficulties that come to us, in spite of our own sinfulness, he is merciful, he is just, and he will forgive, and he will cleanse. And God has no second-class Christians. And so we find this man had two wives. Now, that's not a good idea, fellas. Let me tell you, it's not a good idea. And in fact, every, in every case where we read of this in the Scriptures, we find trouble in the home as a result of that. Trouble with the wives in the rivalry, trouble with the children in rivalries, relationships between fathers and children not being what it should have been, not being what God designed. And let me just say this in this modern culture where uh, the, the social engineers are seeking to redefine what a family is, they are bringing destruction upon their own heads. God is the author of life, and he is the author of the family. When we get outside of God's will, we will experience difficulties and hardships as a result, we find that Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not, and Peninnah used this against Hannah and vexed her. They were rivals. And Hannah cried out to God, asking God to give her a child. In chapter 1, in verse number 8, we see that Elkanah asked Hannah on three occasions, Why? Why are you crying? Why aren't you happy? You see, we find that he did not necessarily understand his wife. We find that the priest did not understand Hannah. He thought she was drunk while she was praying. But while they misunderstood her, I'm glad to know that God did not. And let me just say this to you. You may be misunderstood today by many people, but let me tell you, there's a God in heaven who loves you and he understands. She cried out to God and she left that day with peace in her heart with assurance in her soul that God had heard her prayer. What was her prayer? She wanted a child. She wanted a son. When speaking of his children in Genesis chapter 33 and verse number 5, 
Jacob said to Esau, These are the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. He was happy about it. Can I ask you, are you happy about it? Are you happy? Are you thankful for God's blessings upon you? The Bible tells us in Psalm 127 and verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. The children that God has given us, they are the blessings of the Lord. We live in a time, in a culture, where our nation no longer values children. Just recently in our nation, in the span of a year, 4.2 million children were born. 1.2 million children died in their mother's womb intentionally. They were killed. In a year's time, 3.3 million cases of child abuse involving 6 million children were reported. More than that, millions are neglected, victims of broken homes, left to themselves with no guidance and no knowledge of God and of his word. And we live in a generation that despises their father and their mother, and we wonder how we got here. It's because we have not valued our children. We have not valued the opportunity that God has blessed us with. Children are now looked upon in this society as a financial hindrance, as a burden. We want other people to raise our kids. And more, more alarmed, I mean, I'm very alarmed by that thought in our world, but let me just tell you more than that, I'm alarmed by the thought of some Christians. The attitude of some Christians concerning the heritage of the Lord. I want to tell you, friend, when it comes your time to die, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, how many cars are in the garage, how many bedrooms in your house. What will matter are those lives, those children, those relationships. You see, Hannah desired a child. God put that in her. And let me just stop and say this. Her desire for a child did not grow out of a selfish desire to have a son who would fulfill all of her personal dreams. But her desire for a child grew out of a desire in her heart to see the Lord magnified. That determines what goals you will have for your children. So we see here a woman's desire. And may God help us and speak to us concerning our attitude towards children and how we value them. Secondly, we see a family's devotion. A family's devotion. In our text, as we read verse 24, the Bible said that when she weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord for this child that I'm holding in my arms. She said, For this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he, that's Eli, worshiped the Lord there. 
Eli, who had two sons who were greatly disappointing to him, was thankful to see that there was a woman who loved God, who desired to present her child to the Lord, and it brought encouragement to that old man's heart. By the way, with all that's going on and all the problems we see in our culture, there are still young people, and I'm thankful God's given us some right here at Tabernacle Baptist Church. There are still some young people who know God and love God and want to serve him. Uh, and by the way, there are some who are struggling, and there are some who will continue to struggle. But they know the truth, and God will work in their hearts, and as they yield to him, we'll see God do great things in their lives. But it began with a family who was devoted to Christ. Well, it began with a mother who desired to have a child and prayed, and God answered her prayer. But now she's bringing this child up in the context of a family who is devoted to Christ. Let me just say this to you. We already know that this is an imperfect situation. This is an imperfect family. And by the way, all of us are imperfect people here today. None of us are what we ought to be, including the man who stands before you. None of us. But in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our struggle, we have a sovereign God who loves us and is full of a mercy toward us. And though we struggle and though we deal with difficulties, we can still learn to be faithful to God and love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And that's what Elkanah and his wives did. You know, they established a pattern of faith. And let me just say this to you this morning. May God help us to establish a pattern of faith. Now, this pattern included, number one, a pattern of supplication. They learned to pray. Chapter 1 and verse number 3. Where do we find Elkanah's family? The Bible said this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts. In Shiloh, you see, once a year, the men of Israel were required to leave their home and travel to the place where the tabernacle was located. Long distances. Now, this doesn't mean that they only worship once a year, but once a year, the nation was to assemble together. And here we find that this man, once a year, went to the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. He established a pattern of supplication, bringing petitions to the Lord in prayer. Look at verse 7. And as he did so year by year, this is the pattern that he has. He's consistent in it. He's praying. He's bringing his needs to the Lord. May God help us to be a praying people. The greatest thing I can do for my children is pray for them because prayer does what I cannot do. And as a parent, we discover very quickly that what we can do is very limited. That does not excuse us from doing what we should do, but we need God's help to do what we cannot do, and we must establish a pattern of supplication. Then we see, secondly, a pattern of sacrifice. Look at chapter 1 and verse number 21. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Here is a man who gave himself to the Lord. He brought his sacrifice to the Lord. Let me just say this. In light of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us, in shedding his blood and giving his life for us, ought we not to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice? Ought we not to bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse? Ought we not to give to him our energy, our love, our devotion? He had a pattern of sacrifice 
and a pattern of supplication. Then thirdly, we see a pattern of singing, chapter 2 and verse number 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart doth my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. What is Hannah doing here in verses 1 through 10? She is singing a psalm to the Lord, a song to him. Do you know we need to fill our hearts and our homes with singing? singing out of a heart of, of thankfulness and gratitude and rejoicing in God's blessings. The Bible says that we're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, teaching and admonishing one another. Our homes is to be a place where the songs of Christ are sang. When we gather together as God's people to worship him, we begin with singing, singing in our heart to the Lord. So many homes are filled with hatred and strife and argumentation. They're filled with bitterness. We need to fill our heart with a song, a new song that God has put in our mouth, a song of praise unto our God. You say, well, I can't sing very good. Well, that's okay. I can't either. Join the club. But we can sing in our hearts, and we can talk about the goodness of God. There was a pattern of supplication, a pattern of sacrifice, a pattern of singing, and then there was a pattern of service. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house. He's left little Samuel now at the temple with Eli. Can you imagine that journey? The brokenness of it. The child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. A pattern of service. Look in chapter 2, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. This was a little boy who learned how to serve. He learned how to work. You know what's taking place in our culture, even in the context of God's family. Parents are serving their children. We've created little idols out of their lives. We can't stand the thought of them being disappointed or unhappy, and they've picked up on this. And they learn how to cry and how to throw a fit and how to get exactly what they want. And any time they have a problem with another child or with some other adult or some other thing in life, mom and dad comes rushing to their defense to remove any of the difficulties of life any of the obstacles, any of the hindrances. You see, we've created this kind of society, a narcissistic society, where these children think that they are the center of the universe. And there's no one to blame but we ourselves. The center of the universe is not our children. The center of the universe is our God. And if we love anything else more than him, that's idolatry. And we need to bring up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And they need to understand that they are not here to be served. They are here to serve God. It's a powerfully convicting truth, but it is one that is needed in today's society. Even in the context 
of a church and a Christian school where it is so easy to be critical of teachers who relatively work for very little income and do so because they love God. And when there's an issue or an issue in any realm of their lives, for that matter, we become extremely critical of others who are given responsibility to help them, and we hold them to a higher standard than we hold our own selves. Now, no child should ever be mistreated and misspoken to. It shouldn't happen, but it does, right? It happens. But let me just say this, it happens in your home as well. And may God help us to hold ourselves and understand that God holds us to a standard. Imagine if you got a call from a, a teacher and said, you know, uh, Johnny said you hadn't prayed with him this week. <laughs> Johnny said you hadn't read the Bible to him this week. In fact, Johnny said you didn't come to church last Sunday. I think enrollment in the school would go down if that happened. but we get the point, don't we? We need to be devoted to Christ. Giving a child to God means to desire what the Lord desires for that child. Giving our children to God is not something we do once and for all in a ceremony like what we did today. It is something that is lived out daily. When they're struggling, when we're struggling, when we're disappointed, when they're disappointed, we have to remember that we've given them to God and we have to fulfill the responsibility that God has given to us. And that responsibility includes our devotion. So we see, first of all, a woman's desire. Secondly, a family's devotion. Thirdly, a child's development. Notice in chapter 2 and verse 21, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. That's what we want for our children. We want them to grow. We certainly don't want to stunt their growth. And so how is it that they do grow? Well, first of all, we see that Samuel was nurtured in a godly house. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 22, the Bible said, But Hannah went not up. Elkanah went to worship the Lord, but Hannah went not up. For she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. What a wonderful prayer for your child, that he would appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. Elkanah was as committed to this as was his wife. They wanted their son to grow up to know God. He was nurtured in a godly house. As a husband, you have responsibility to, to the Lord to love your wife, to lead her, to love your God, and to teach your children the truths of God's word. As a wife, you have a responsibility to love your children, love your husband, submit to your Lord, and to submit to the leadership of your husband as he is submitted to the leadership of the Lord and bring your child up in a godly home. 
Not only was Samuel nurtured in a godly house, but he was nurtured in God's house. Chapter 2 and verse number 26, the Bible says, and the child Samuel grew on. He just kept growing physically, mentally, spiritually, serving God. The Bible says again in verse 26, and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. In chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. In chapter 3 and verse number 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. He grew up, nurtured in the house of God. Let me tell you, we need to make sure that our children know God and we bring our children to the assembly of God's people. We bring them up in the church. The greatest thing my parents ever did for me was bring me to church. And they established that pattern. It was never a question. So may God help us. This is how Samuel grew. And though he was surrounded by sin, we find out that this young man served the Lord from his youth and he was sensitive to the Lord's voice. He grew. Now, what were the keys to his growth and development? What keys do we learn here? I just want to give you six and I got to give them to you real quick. So write them fast. I don't have a lot of time to comment on these. How do we help our children grow? Number one, establish the proper priorities in your home. Establish the proper priorities in your home. What is the priority in your home? It ought to be to honor God and worship him. The Bible tells me that Christ is preeminent in all things. That means he's to be preeminent in my heart. He's to be preeminent with my calendar and what I do with my day, and he is to be preeminent with my finances. I am to establish the proper priorities in my home. Number two, be consistent. And let me tell you, it's consistently hard to be consistent. Be consistent. Will you always do it? No. When you get off course, get back on track. Be consistent. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You see that pattern that was established by Elkanah and his wife? That was critical to the development of that child. Don't be in and out all the time, up and down, in and out, here, there, I'm here, I'm there, I'm nowhere. Be faithful. Be steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, oh, there'll be many days when you're wondering. That's why you need to know it isn't. Number three, teach biblical truth and expect biblical behavior. Teach biblical truth and expect biblical behavior. I think sometimes today we, ha- we, we kind of give our children a pass because really we want ourselves to have a pass. I know what the Bible says, but you really can't expect kids to live that way anymore. Oh, I think you can, and I think we should, and we do them a disservice when we don't. We do them a disservice. May God help us. Samuel, the Bible says, grew in favor with the Lord and with men. He obeyed God. He was obedient to God. He understood what God said in his word, and he understood he had a responsibility to behave himself, and God noted it, and the men who were in Israel noted there was something different about this child. And by the way, they don't all get it when they're young. Some of them don't get it till much older in life. 
but let's teach them this truth, and let's expect them to behave. Number four, teach your children to be sensitive to God's Word. Teach them to be sensitive to God's Word. Three times the Lord called out, Samuel, Samuel, and all three times, what did Samuel do? He said, here am I. Here am I. Listen, it's a great thing when God speaks to you. That's the understatement of all times. It is a miracle. It is a wondrous thing that God, the God of this universe, would speak to us. When he does, let's make sure that we're attentive, that we're sensitive to his voice. Number five, teach your child the importance of obedience. Samuel said, here am I. And finally, when he recognized it was the Lord who was speaking to him, in verse number 10 of chapter number 3, the Lord came and stood and called us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. He was ready to obey. Listen, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You, some of you, you just blow that verse off. You act like it doesn't apply to you. Well, you don't understand who my parents are. Well, that was a dumb thing for them to ask me to do. God doesn't ask you to judge the merit of what they tell you to do. He tells you to obey it. And if you learn to disobey your parents and other authorities, ultimately you're disobeying God, and ultimately you'll have no problem being disobedient to him. We need to learn and teach our children to obey and that is the responsibility that we as parents have. Number six, this is the last one. Teach your children to honor God's truth. In chapter 3, verses 11 through 14, Samuel heard the word of the Lord. He received it. The news wasn't good. I'm bringing judgment on the house of Eli. Eli said, what did the Lord tell you, Samuel? Samuel told him exactly what God had said. We need to honor God's truth by receiving it and by repeating it. We don't need to water it down. We don't need to change it. We need to live in accordance to it, and we need to tell it as it is. These are the steps of the spiritual growth and development that a child needs. So how about it? What should be our desire? Listen. We should rejoice when children are coming into this world. We should never discourage people from having a child. We should thank God that they have one. And we should do all we can to encourage them. Don't discourage them. Number two, uh, we should have a family that has a pattern of faith, a pattern of supplication and prayer, a pattern of sacrifice, a pattern of singing, and a pattern of service. Let's institute that in our homes we all need these reminders because it's so difficult to keep it all where it needs to be. And let's remember that we are here to see these children grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. So if our priorities are out of whack, let's get where we need to get. If we're inconsistent, let's, let's give it another shot. If we've neglected our responsibility to teach biblical truth and expect biblical behavior, let's get back on the program. Let's teach our children to hear God's word. By the way, don't be content to have them sitting all over the place not listening with their cell phone in their hands. Teach them to hear God's word. It's a good thing to carry a Bible, isn't it? 
It's a good thing to have a notebook and have a pen, take notes. It's a good thing to say, hey, let me see those notes. Let me find out what you're getting. How's God speaking to you? That's a good thing to do if we want our children to hear God's voice. Tell me how God spoke to you today. That's a good thing to do. Teach your children to obey and teach them to honor God's truth. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.